Welcome to Beauty Therapy, a podcast for beauty professionals. I'm your host, Kira Doyle. In our industry, we often give so much we forget to leave anything for ourselves. This is your reminder to take care of the many parts of infinite you. Join me on my quest to cultivate self-love, to become the healthiest, happiest version of you so you can be fully aligned with your work, grow your business, and frankly, kick ass. Hello, hello. Welcome to Beauty Therapy Podcast. My name is Kira Doyle and I'm your host. If you're new here, just welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome back. This is a podcast for beauty professionals, but it's really for anyone who is looking to explore deeper self-love in their life. We talk about everything from spirituality to finances to the beauty industry, and I happen to think it's a lot of fun. So thank you so much for being here. It's been a crazy week for me, uh, crazier even in the fact that I turned another year older. I just turned 32 years old, and it's interesting because when I was young, every year I was turning, I remember turning nine. I remember like the night of before my birthday, just laying in bed and thinking like, I'm going to be a whole new year older tomorrow and everything is going to change. And when you're young, it, it is almost true in that way because you, you turn another age, you go into another grade. I mean, I had a summer birthday, so it seemed like over the summer I was turning the right age for the new grade I was going into. And there's this sort of uphill, very linear path of progress that comes with age. And I think it's safe to say the older I get, the more I realize that my birthday is really not a whole new year. It's not even a whole new chapter in a new, (laughs) never mind a whole new book. It's more just like a little fold in the corner of the page that marks the place of where I was the year prior. And for me, I really like to spend just a small part of my birthday sort of journaling and reflecting about where I'm at right now and then taking a look back to where I was the year before. And this year I had a wonderful, fun weekend with family. My sister was in town and we went to the Pop Sugar Playground. I got to see so many incredible friends and just enjoy and soak it all in. And I got to spend some time on Sunday, my actual birthday, and get nice and quiet. And as I was reflecting about what I'm grateful for, all of the changes that have happened over the past year, I realized how much of my growth has been centered around having the courage to start this podcast. It really was a huge thing for me. So I can't thank you enough for being here. It's been a pivotal part in my life, a pivotal part of my journey. And it was right up at the top of the list of uh, one of the awesome things I did while I was 31. And I definitely will be continuing it into my 32nd year, my next trip around the sun. I have a super exciting guest for you guys today. I really uh, could not wait to air this episode. So it's going out a little early, actually. We are going to hear from my own sister, Caitlin Doyle. We have been sisters my whole life. She's two years older than me. Sorry, I had to. And so ever since I've been alive, she's been right there. We didn't always get along, I guess you could say, but we've always been very, very close. 
And as you'll hear in our conversation, she has inspired me in so many ways. If you are looking to travel, if you're looking to have better communication in your life, if you're considering throwing in the towel on, on your whole life and picking up and moving across the country, she is going to knock the socks off of you with her courage, her bravery, and just her wisdoms of all the places that she has gone and uh, how much is still in store for her. I don't even know. It's crazy. She is such a cool chick and I'm so honored to call her my sister. I know you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Caitlin Doyle. What did you think of the Pop Sugar event yesterday? Oh my gosh, it was it was incredible. I think it was funny because our first experience, the very first session we wanted to go to, we got there so early and the anticipation was building and it was the reason that I was initially attracted to the event. We didn't get into the session, um, I think just a numbers issue, but from that initial disappointment, we just made the best out of that situation, found brand new friends that we just made off the cuff and had our own workout in the morning and I feel like we rode that high for the rest of the day. Like what we did to kind of turn that situation around, we just like went off that energy and all the women that were there, all the people that like showed up and did the sessions um, were just the most empowering and inspiring. It was, I can't recommend it more highly to anyone else. My one tip would be maybe getting a VIP <laughs> oh, the VIP. So we had this like morning of discovering that we definitely should have gotten VIP. Like we first found out we can't get into this workout we really wanted to do because it was completely full. And we got there like early, early, right? But they already let all the VIP people take the mats. And then we're like, no problem. We'll just stand off to the side and watch. And they're like, you can't stand here. This is for VIPs. So then we went over and we're like, well, they're doing vitamin B shots. Like I've never gotten one that looks really fun. Not like the drink shots, but like an actual in your arm. arm, like a needle, mm -hmm. right? I hate shots, but I did want one yesterday. Me too. So we get in line and they're like, ladies, may I see your VIP bands? Because <laughs> these are for the VIPs. So we're like, okay, no problem. So we go stand back another place to observe and start watching the workout again. And they came over and said, ladies, we're going to have to escort you out of here. We're not VIP. <laughs> we weren't we're trying like, to oh my cause God. trouble. <laughs> yeah. So then we ended up just walking down a little bit further down in the convention center. And there was a group of girls just doing the workout, following the workout from a distance. And we all jumped in and did it together. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. It was really fun. There was a lot of cool brands there too. I definitely want to go back next year do they do that like is that a tour or is it just new york i think it's just new york and i think that was only the second one they've ever done it, it worked out pretty well i was of course sitting there from like the eye of a hairdresser comparing it to beauty events and like what a hairdresser event typically is like and at the end of the day you can't get out like out of the fact that it is a convention center so you're still gonna be tired the air quality is pretty bad yeah um the speakers are amazing and the energy is really high and exciting mm -hmm. but like it's still just, it takes a lot out of your body to be in a convention center all day. But we had such a blast and it's just been so fun to have my sister with me all weekend. Um, I'm just super happy to have you here on the podcast. I know we talked about having you on for so many reasons. And with my sister, Kate, it was really hard to figure out like what conversation did I want to have with her uh, because we veer off in a million different directions anyway <laughs> but also she's done so much and she's lived a thousand lives in the past 10 years alone uh, had so many different careers and has just been truly a jack of all trades 
and a prime example of a manifesting generator who's living her her passion. Um, she has so many talents, but I thought first we could back it up and just talk a little bit about your upbringing, your childhood, I guess my upbringing as well, um, <laughs> and how you kind of got to got to where you are right now. Yeah, I think I have had an adventurous spirit since we were really young. And when I think about where we grew up, um, we lived in a very rural neighborhood. Uh, you could barely see the next house, but it meant that we had acres beyond acres of woods behind our house. And this was before the days of like, we had Nintendo, like regular Nintendo. Like that was, there was no Nintendo 64. Like that's when we grew up, not to date us, but the idea of like leaving the house in the morning after breakfast, going outside, being in the woods all day. I remember like exploring the streams and finding salamanders and just like making up our own world in the woods. I even got really lost in the woods one time oh when God. I was young. Very scary story. But in a snowstorm. In a, yeah, 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 that was not me just going out and play. Cool, but there was like a search party. <laughs> mm, yeah, they, the fire department came out. Um, but I've always had that adventurous spirit. And I like to think that mom and dad really, really brought that out of us and really nurtured it. I think especially dad, like in high school, I got really into music and dad was always, if I wanted to go to a concert, you know, he was always saying to my mom, let her go, honey, she'll be fine. Let her go. And so I went to concerts by myself and with friends starting when I was like 14, 15. And um, that really helped develop my love of music. And I think the other really big influencer in my life um, that's really molded some of my experiences going forward was my grandparents. So our grandparents, uh, well, I should say our grandfather, he was in sales and he would travel all over the country for different conventions. And from a very young age, he would take me and then later Kira when she got a little bit bigger and he took us all over the country and he actually took us all over the world. Um, my first three international trips were with him. Um, and then I think that really, you know, kind of sparked in me this curiosity to see other places, to find out about other cultures, to eat different foods. Our parents and our grandparents were so encouraging of try everything once, try these foods once. If you don't like it, you never have to eat it again. Just try it. And so I think the combination of all of that kind of like this adventurous childhood this encouragement of being curious and being adventurous with foods and then having our grandparents really um, support us with travel. I think that really laid the foundation for what came next. Yeah, I mean, growing up together in the, I always say like we grew up in the woods. We really did. We it's did. Like the very, very countryside of Rhode Island. And um, even though Rhode Island is such a small state, like it's there, it's a lot of diversity in terms of what it has to offer. Uh, in, in where you can live and like what those experiences are like like you could be in a city and live a very urban life or you could actually be driving down like windy roads no service 15 minutes of like just trees yeah <laughs> and llamas and llamas we were over there uh that was, that was, that was us. us you could be on the beachfront you could have an oceanfront home yeah. I always wish that was us I know I always <laughs> wish that was us I think like we always we, we always want what you don't have and I am um, I wouldn't take back like our adventures in the woods for anything mm -hmm. they were so magical and uh except we did take salamanders remember I did and then they disappeared you did yeah I tried to keep them in a fish tank and then they just disappeared and and like 
I don't think they escaped. I think they just like disintegrated in the dirt. Oh I still God. think about that. Um, oh. So sometimes you just have to leave like the mystical things out, <laughs> leave the <laughs> mystical and don't try to yeah. grab them. Um, but you always were the one that was super adventurous, like way more than me. And you eventually paved the way for me to go to high school in, in the city, which was about 45 minutes away from where we lived. And then eventually to move to Boston for college. I followed you there. Um, and then I eventually gained the courage to move to New York, which was my always my dream. It just seems so far away when you're young, growing up in like in the country. And uh, and by this point, when I was moving to New York, you were already living uh, across the country in California. And then later, just a couple years later, you'd be in Seattle and then halfway around the world. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about how how that kind of came about for you and where did you gain the courage to continue to, and I don't want to say throw it all away because that's not the right word, but to say scratch this because uh, you did it so many times. Actually, can mm. you name all the cities that you lived in? <laughs> so, well, we grew up in, we grew up in West Greenwich, mm -hmm. Rhode Island. After that, I moved to Boston. I went to college there and lived there for a couple years after. Then I moved to San Diego on a complete whim, lived for three years there. Seattle in Washington, uh, three years there. South Korea for one year. Uh, I was a little transient for about three to four months traveling around Southeast Asia. I lived in Phnom Penh for three months and now I'm back in Boston. Full circle. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess full full circle would be if you were back in uh, West Greenwich, Rhode Island. But Which I was for three months before. <laughs> That's true. From you the did, transition to Asia to back Boston. to Rhode Island for three months. Oh, and it was like during fall, winter. Yeah. Not a nice, not a nice time to be back. Very dark. Um... <laughs> It was challenging for, for several reasons. Yeah. Living with your parents at, at 17 and being somewhat single is very different than living with your parents at 31 and being married. Yeah. 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 Okay. So can, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about like when you guys made that big decision to move to South Korea, what did that look like for you? How did you, was it, were all of your moves, would you say along the way, were those your version of like little baby steps to getting there to make that big move? Was it something you always knew you were going to do? How did it come about? I always wanted to live abroad and I think I, there was a couple moments when I moved to Boston. So I grew up in Rhode Island, very small town. I knew that I didn't want to go to college in, Bo in Rhode Island because I wanted to just have a new experience I, and I knew that and I think it was safe enough to move to Boston because it was still close enough that I could come back in an hour and a half but it also was a brand new city with no one I knew. And I'll never forget this. I went to Emerson College for my first two years and the first week at Emerson. I knew I needed a part-time job to support myself and living expenses. And I remember walking into FAO Schwartz on Boylston Street, which is not even there anymore. And I got hired for a job on the spot. And I remember walking out of there and feeling like nobody I knew helped me get that job. Mm. That manager didn't know me from anyone else out on the street. Like my mom didn't help me. My dad did like nobody that I knew. There was no connections that I had. I remember feeling light as a feather because I thought I can make my own reality and I can lift my roots up out of somewhere else and me myself personally can plant them in the ground without anyone else needing to like cultivate the soil or like give me a hand with the gardening like really it's up to me and that and I had several experiences in Boston like that and I think that really bolstered my confidence and as I kept doing it I did it in San Diego I did it in Seattle and every time I did it it felt like I think that I can do this anywhere in the world like I can start from scratch 
and just build a new community. I can make new friends. I can find a new job. I can find my new favorite, you know, places to work out and have coffee. Um, And that's really exciting for me. And I think it's part of my energy type that likes, you know, to to see different things and experience different things. Um, And even if I live in an apartment for more than like two or three years, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm ready to, to, you know, try something new. So moving to Korea, absolutely. I think that all of those moves before it really gave me the confidence to say, okay, this is the biggest one yet. It's going to be a 27-hour trip back home if I can't hang. Um, But I think laying the groundwork for how to start a new community and get involved in things that had been cultivated from San Diego, Seattle, and Boston. Mm. Yeah, it's like you uh, probably got some muscle memory there. Like each time you do it, you're like, okay, I've done this before, right? It's not as scary. Mm -hmm. See, we're similar in energy types, but we're very different in in terms of our life path and how how we've used our energy and, and the way that things kind of come through for us. I've definitely been the kind of person that... I can trace back almost every job I have to a connection to someone else. And that's sort of how things flow through for me. It's like my community that will say like, hey, like you'd be great here. And then that pushes me, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always struggled with like, what if like, what am I not going out and getting for myself in terms of um, just my, you know, community, like expanding my communities and finding things. And it's just been over the past couple of years, I've really dipped into other things that light me up. That's Mm. not coming from other people. And it's been life-changing. One of my questions, I guess, because I'd love to talk a little bit about how you and your husband, Jeremy, uh, made the decision to collectively go to South Korea together because that was he had a really good job. And I know that was a really big conversation. But I think it would be important that before we talk about that conversation, that we talk a little bit about your communication styles and techniques um, that you picked up while you were working for a chiropractor, DK, in uh, in San Diego. I know it was so transformative for you. And it taught a lot, like it taught me a lot when you shared it with me. So can we maybe tell everyone a little bit about what what those tips and tricks are for communicating? Yeah, yeah. I can give kind of high level, like the stuff that really, you know, above all else, these are, this is like the meat of, you know, of what you should know. When I went there, his practice, the, the doctor I worked for, DK, Dr. Klein, he was very, very big on hearing patients out and hearing their story. Like he was convinced that in order to give them the best treatment possible and for them to live as healthy a life as possible, they needed to talk about their pain, their experience, when it started, how it got, you know, how it was getting worse. And in order to do that, we as the folks that worked there and supported the patients needed to be able to listen to it all and take it in and make them, you know, ensure that they felt heard. So he taught me that somebody feeling heard and acknowledged is one of the most important feelings a person can have. So he taught me about first just listening. And I almost got fired for not listening to patients because I'm very chatty. And they would be like, oh, yeah, I just got back from a trip to Boston. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, where? I used to live in Boston. And he'd be like, Caitlin? quiet and like there were a couple times where he pulled me aside and he was like I don't want to fire you I really like you but you need to stop talking and at the time I was like (laughs) god he's so mean um and then at the end of three years I like I mean I love him to this day he's a very very good friend um but it really clicked one day when I just zipped my mouth and I was like if I say anything like I might get fired so let me I'm exaggerating but I was like literally let me just try this out what he's saying and I could not believe the way people opened up to me So I really learned from him that the best communicators are actually the best listeners and that an acknowledgement can go a long way. So instead of sitting there and just staring at someone and listening to them, just like 
a nod or an mm-hmm or something that in like something that can give them confidence that I heard you, like I'm listening to you, but I'm hearing you. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding you. That was really important too. Um, and then the last biggest thing he taught me is about sharing someone's reality. So, you know, if a patient came in and they had something going on, I would try my very best to, to really understand what it was they were talking about. And I do that now in many facets of my life. And I kind of lead with inquiry. Like I'll ask a lot of questions and I'll really listen because if you don't share someone else's reality, if you're both talking about, you know, the same like elephant and they're thinking the elephant is gray and you're thinking it's brown, it's such a subtle difference, but it can lead to like misunderstandings. And so really sharing someone else's reality. And even if you may disagree, just trying to understand that Mm -hmm. and I think those the combination of those things has just helped me immensely in, in my own communication. And I remember sharing it with you, Kira. And I remember going to a party mm-hmm. and you tried out some of these things and you were like beaming. I shut my trap for a whole night. <laughs> it was so hard. It's hard. I remember sitting in a corner and I just thought, let me try this thing. And I was, I genuinely do find interest in meeting new people and listening to their stories. But... I think the way we were raised and how we grew up, we grew, we've grown up in a very storytelling family and it's you tell a story, then I tell a story back. Um, and I can I, the way we feel like we're acknowledging people is saying like, oh yeah, and that's happened to me mm-hmm. and this is what my experience looked like. Or if someone's telling you a problem, oh, they must want my advice. So let me tell them like what I think they should do. Mm-hmm. And that's been our way of acknowledging and giving love. And yeah, this was like 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, um, you were visiting and you had shared or I was visiting you. I don't know. You had shared with me this. And so we went to a party and I sat in the corner and I just didn't uh, talk as much. I did a lot more asking and I ended up sitting next to one person for the entire night and they shared their whole life story, (laughs) like (laughs) everything. And I kept saying like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Or I understand. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Like, oh, wow. Like, just acknowledging, acknowledging. And by the end of the night, he was like, I just feel like I made like the best friend of my life. Like, I can't believe <laughs> I was able to open up to you this way. I've never talked about this stuff with anybody. And I walked out of that party and I was like, holy hell, like I've been waiting my whole life to connect with people mm. on this level. And all it took was actually for me to like take myself out of the equation a little bit and just be a sounding board. And it's really fun to uh be a sounding board and it's so necessary to have a sounding board in your life and so yeah our communication has been a big a big piece of how we make friendships and now it's just more natural I don't Mm -hmm. think about it I'm not consciously telling myself don't say anything Mm -hmm. I just naturally I'm like okay tell me yeah mm -hmm, like I want to hear more right um and a lot I try to gather all the information if I do have a piece of advice it's like coming way at the end after you shared a lot and it's because I think you genuinely want it from me, not, not because I want you to think that I hear you, right? Like I, I can just say, I hear you. I understand that's really, sounds really hard. Um, I don't have to be like, here's what I think you should do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's been a game changer and that communication style as well as some chiropractic techniques, um, and cracking each other's backs mm-hmm. is something that Caitlin and Jeremy <laughs> use on each other all the time. So it's obviously keeping their relationship very strong uh, because they're able to constantly go back and make sure they're sharing the same reality, mm-hmm. constantly acknowledging each other and making sure that they're heard. 
And I believe it was that foundation that was that allowed you guys to be able to take on an adventure like moving across the world uh, and away from your families for a year. So can we talk a little bit about how did you and Jeremy come to that decision together? And what did that look like when you are now in a foreign country? How does that relationship dynamic shift with your partner once it's kind of just like you and them against the world? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I... I sh- on our first date, actually, I shared with Jeremy some of those communication techniques and he went in the next day. He's in sales. He was in sales as well. He went in and he did some of those communication techniques and he called me that night and was like, that's like magic what you taught me. And I'm so glad I taught it to him so early because we have a really great communication um, way-, way of communicating in our in our relationship. We came to that decision in a very mutual understanding and I, I'll kind of tell the story of how it came about we were on a plane in I think 2014 and we were flying back from visiting our grandparents in Florida and Jeremy said to me if you weren't with me what would you be doing I said I'd probably be in the Peace Corps and he was like really where do you think you'd be living and I was like I God only knows wherever they would send me I would go and he said wow okay and so that kind of got us into a deeper conversation of you know him not wanting to to limit my kind of like these goals and dreams, like something that I feel like I might have done if I hadn't met him, but that's really important to me. He had a desire to live abroad as well. And so a friend of ours, actually two friends, had just gotten back from living in South Korea teaching English. And so Jeremy and I together hatched up this plan that we would teach English in South Korea for one year because our friends had the best experience and the program that we went through pays for your flights, your housing, your medical. Like it's actually a really very non-scary thing to go through this program and that we would save enough money in that year um, because of, you know, the amazing benefits that you have to then move to Cambodia, which was my dream. Um, I had gone when I was 18 years old and had been wanting to go back for a decade. And when I shared that with him on the plane ride, he's like, we have to make this happen. We have to do this. We have to do this together. Like, I want to support you. I don't just want to send you off for three months, six months, a year to do that. Like, I want to do this with you. I want to experience it. And I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful to have a partner that's that supportive. Um, And that's exactly what we did. And so then you guys get there, right? And you brought, what was it, like a suitcase each? Yeah, a suitcase and a backpack. A suitcase and a backpack. Jeremy quit his job where mm-hmm. he was spending, I mean, nine more than nine to five, right? Each day, like he was really committed and he was probably tr- 65 to yeah. 70 hours a week. Yeah, he yeah. was like on the training team mm-hmm. and he was, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of like self, self-worth tied up into a job like that and when you get to that title and that position and he was really respected and mm-hmm. he had just won president's just club president he's club. been he'd been there for over six years yeah he yeah. had really worked his way up in the company yeah so now that's piece is stripped away mm-hmm. temporarily right and you're in a foreign country together so what how does that shift the dynamic of a of a partnership we did feel a little bit alone at the beginning. Um, we went through a really great orientation where we met a lot of other expats right away. And so immediately we had this community. But our lives in Korea were so different than our lives in the United States in the sense that we almost felt like we were living in this little bubble. We knew it was temporary. Us and our friends, we had the same exact schedule, like we were all teachers. There's a very big drinking culture in Korea. We were teaching, you know, we were in our late 20s, but a lot of our friends were in their early, earlier 20s. And so 
maybe had a different set of priorities. Like we were saving up, you know, for this big trip the next year and, and some of our other friends, like that wasn't really their priority. So they were going out a lot more. And so navigating kind of the social like structure of rebuilding your, um, your network and like your, your support group and, and the people that you want to invite in and the things that you want to be doing with those folks. That was a really interesting piece to navigate. But we both of us ended up really encouraging one another to like go out and do things that were unique and important to each of us. So he encouraged me and even supported me and like volunteered at my theater company that I ended up joining and acting in and stage managing. We both joined at Ultimate Frisbee League, which was so much fun. Like we did that together. And then on his own, he joined um, a soccer league. And so we both kind of had our separate things and we had our together things. And we knew that it was temporary because it definitely got hard missing our family. But I think just knowing that it was temporary and like knowing that we had each other like at the very end of the day, like that was mm-hmm. big. And it was the things we went through together in Korea, just the very different, different things of living in a country that doesn't even, you know, that the language they use, let alone it's not English, but it's also like not even the alphabet. Like we had to learn a whole new alphabet. Mm-hmm. And so navigating like how do you go into a store and ask for like toilet paper? or peanut butter right like it's like you can't yeah it's it was comical at times and he he loved it he's very he's a very adventurous spirit and we traveled all around the country with our frisbee team and yeah we just enjoyed the heck out of it for a year yeah and then you later went to Cambodia and there was a bit of an adventure in between Mm -hmm. Um, and you guys were really conscious about uh, spending right and saving for this other big huge part of the trip where you got to explore what are what was your favorite place that you saw on your journey from South Korea or in the time between South Korea and Cambodia oh that's hard I gun to my head I would say Bali mm-hmm. and I think it's because of the way we did it we didn't stay in the part of Bali that most of the tourists go and hang out in um, Bali's a difficult island to navigate unless you have a car but we ended up renting a motorbike for 11 days we ditched like of our two backpacks we combined them into one we left one of the backpacks at a hotel that we stayed at paid them in advance for our room on the on the way out like on the back end and then took the motorbike around the island for 11 days with me holding on to Jeremy and the backpack <laughs> and like that was our and it was scary and it was so uh it was really kind of freaky at times. The drivers there are, are pretty frightening. Um, and then there's like monkeys in the middle of the road. And, you know, it's like windy roads and mountains and stuff. But it was the most beautiful place I've ever been. And I think like what I learned in Cambodia my first time around is that the more uncomfortable you are, the more you grow. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think like if I hadn't just taken that risk and like held on to the back of that motorbike and just gone around that country, I think I would have missed out on a lot of beauty and a lot of amazing experiences that that island gave to me. Mm. So I'd say Bali. Yeah, I, I really want to go there. I probably am picturing the touristy part of where I want to go. <laughs> like seeing these retreats in Bali that I'd love to be a part of. So what would your advice then be for somebody who is thinking about taking some time away for a trip like this. I know this isn't really one of the things we were planning to talk about, but just if somebody wants to make a decision to travel or or go teach English somewhere, right? And like take a pause out of their life, Mm -hmm. like from a financial perspective, a planning perspective, and just like emotionally, what do they have to do? What do they have to be prepared for? I think being prepared to say yes a lot 
um, and push yourself outside of your comfort zone. I, I say this about all my friends that I met in Korea. It's like we started on the fifth or sixth date, so to speak. And so you become friends a lot faster because it takes a certain kind of person to be willing to leave your friends, your family, your job, your pets, your home, your place of comfort, your place of like your native tongue and go somewhere different. And so you automatically already have something like a lot of something's in common with that person. Mm -hmm. You know that they're willing to try new things and like try new food. So surely having that attitude and if someone is already considering doing that, then then I'm sure that you are that way and you're adventurous and you're curious and looking for uh, more understandings of different cultures. I think being prepared for life to get a lot more challenging. A lot of people that I talked to when I said I was moving, they were like, oh my gosh, that sounds wonderful. That's going to be amazing. And I would describe it as wonderful and amazing, but day to day, I would also say it was very hard uh, not being able to communicate. I ended up taking three months of, I can't even remember, <laughs> Hangul, of Hangul lessons so that I could at least communicate in the market. Mm-hmm. But I think being ready mar- to, like in the actual market like in the marketplaces like the yeah market. to go like haggle for yeah. you know garlic and be like no that's too much money kakachuseyo <laughs> like you know i'm not paying that much um and, i like that phrase yeah that means no i'm not paying that it much. means that's too expensive oh i like that i want people to say that about me kakachuseyo <laughs> so i think yeah being being willing to put in the work of like making new friends and and pushing yourself once you're there just to really say yes. And sometimes it's not even saying yes. It's you going out and like looking for, you know, and you think I've done all this work, right? I'm here. I got on this plane. I left everything. I'm here. Okay, let the adventure begin. But it won't. If you just sit in your apartment, mm. the adventure really won't begin. Like you have to actually go out and look for it. And that sounds funny because you're already there and you've done this big scary thing. Um, but at the same time, you need to be ready to seize and just be open to all opportunities and just say yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that. I can relate that so much to even just like living in in New York. I've walked down the certain street a hundred times and never thought anything about it. And now that street, 29th street is where my Pilates yoga studio is. There was an adventure waiting for me like on the (laughs) third floor that I didn't even know was there. Wow. A nail salon that I frequent out regularly, a restaurant that I found that I absolutely love, like the best coffee, all these things on this one street. And it's like, you can just walk with your head down and your music on or you're listening or listening to a podcast, maybe beauty therapy, right? And be so in the zone that you don't even see what's there. What is behind that closed door and what on this one street could change my life, right? Because yeah. there's always opportunities. And I think that applies in the area that you live right now. Even if you've lived there for 25 years, what is it that you haven't discovered yet? Totally agree. And if there's a gap, maybe like you're the one to make that adventure mm-hmm. or create that thing. Yeah. So of all your talents, actually, I think it would be really fun um, if you don't mind, because you already listed all the cities that you lived in. Can you spitfire real quick every job you've ever had for us? Oh, my <laughs> God. you've got so many. You really have. Wait, Let's where do you this. want me to start? Let's start with um, FAO Schwartz. Okay. FAO Schwartz, finale. I was a bartender, bakery assistant, a grotto server, um, Prince Lavelle Glove Skin Tie. It's a law firm. I was a legal assistant. This is hard. Chiropractic office, naturopathic doctor's office, medical assistant, English teacher. <laughs> um, and now I work for nonprofit. Amazing. Great job. <laughs> that was actually hard. That's a lot of different skills and talents. I think it has an undertone theme of humanity across all of it, right? It's always about it's wellness and like the wellness for the whole humanity, however we look at that. And with that, 
I think you have so many skills and talents, but one of the things that you do best is your ability to make yourself at home anywhere you go and to make other people feel at home. And what would be some advice you have? What are some tips for somebody who just moved or thinking about moving? Like what's a couple things they can do to help facilitate meeting a community, mm. finding their favorite places to eat mm-hmm. and, and, and what they love to do there? Like how do they make it feel a little closer to home? Mm-hmm. I think making friends is the biggest thing for me that makes a place feel like home. We lived in Seattle for three years and I had a really hard time making friends at first and I was working at home and I felt a little isolated. So I would say if there's somebody that's in that position um, and you don't have colleagues that you can easily say, hey, can we go out after work and grab a drink or can we go grab a cup of coffee and kind of you have those people to naturally connect with, you really do have to be a little bit more, um, more, uh, what's the word? I don't know, more creative in your approach. Mm. Like, so in Seattle, I went to meetups. Like, there's the meetup group. So I went to those. Volunteering. Oh, yeah. Meetups is, uh, it's just meetups.com, mm-hmm. right? And you exactly. can sign up for your city and then select whatever is interesting to you. Yeah. Like, I went to the movies, but you can also do running meetups, coffee meetups, like anything that you're interested in. Also, ask friends if they have friends in the area. This is what ultimately led me to find my group of friends in Seattle. And it was friends that my husband had known when he was like working at a restaurant in college. And so ask friends if they have friends in the area and then say, like, would you mind connecting us? Can you reach out to both of us? I just, I I don't know anyone yet. And even like in Boston, I met one friend at my gym and I now am connected with all of her friend group. And it's been about two years. And I consider them to be now my really good friends. So sometimes just making one friend yeah. can really open up your whole social world. I think just know that the growth is in the discomfort. I think that's a really important theme to just keep in mind when you're feeling lonely or you're getting ready to go hang out with someone and you're like, oh, this feels awkward. Good. Like it's, it's going to. And that's where you're going to grow. And um, like just lean into that. Like it is awkward. I remember meeting that friend that I just referred to at Boston Sports Club and you know and we chatted for like 10 or 15 minutes and finally I was like do you want to go grab a bite of food like maybe it was like 8 30 and we had been talking for a half an hour and we both had to go home and and eat with our husbands but I was like do you want to get together this weekend do you want to get dinner down the street and she was like I would love that and it felt awkward I was like I feel like I'm asking her out like you know it was it's weird to like make that first step and it's going to feel awkward but like she's now one of my best friends in Boston and so lean into that discomfort like that's where that's where like it gets really good and Mm -hmm. that's where you can really grow your friend base yeah that's it's such a it's such an important piece I think after you make that connection to like then you have to take that next step of like okay we should do something yeah what are you doing on Friday yeah I know it's Valentine's Day but (laughs) (laughs) I mean don't be don't be weird about it (laughs) Um, what's up next for you so personally I have a lot of travel and as you all already know, I'm so excited about travel. It really lights me up. So in the next five months, I have four weeks of amazing trips. Um, I'm doing a week in San Francisco, which includes a camping trip to Yosemite. I'm doing a week in Seattle. Uh. Yeah. And then um, in August, I'm doing a week in Mexico for one of my very close friends' weddings. And then in November, I'm doing a week in San Antonio. So many places that I've been, but also many places that I've never been which is really exciting. And professionally, um, my work is in nonprofits. And so currently I can see myself with the company for a while, but knowing my energy type and, and knowing that I kind of 
my soul is is kind of into like trying different things I feel like I've been in this role for a bit and I'm really curious to see what other departments in my organization I might be a good fit for like I'm starting to feel that that curiosity like tug at my heart a little bit and so I think like exploring options within my company like just tapping other colleagues and having coffees and doing lunch and learns and just things to learn more about other options in my organization. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, but with manifesting generators, they, you know, you get what's called a surge of mastery when you try something new. And they say if a manifesting generator starts a job the same time as a generator in like six months, the M- the MG is going to look like the superstar. Like, look how fast they went, <laughs> look everything they did. And then a year later, they kind of catch up. And then after two, three years, the generator can actually start doing laps around the MG because the MG is just like, dude, I'm bored. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love you, but this work is getting daunting. Like, and so you'll, your focus will kind of start going in other places that might not be that immediate work ahead. So transition and staying transient in, in, in the life of an MG is so, so, so important that they just keeps getting mixed up and trying something new. It doesn't mean you have to leave your organization. It just means that you have to bring on new work. So you can get your spark of mastery back again and get Mm. everything all lit up and fired up. And that gives you energy when you do that. So I love the idea of you just looking around within the company you're in. It's a really wonderful nonprofit. Should we tell everyone what it is? Sure. Yeah, we should talk about it. Yeah. I work for Year Up, which is an absolutely phenomenal organization. It's been around for about 20 years. We have 26 different sites over the country, around the country. And it's a one-year job development like career development program for young adults and so the first six months our young adults have professional training so they attend either college classes or college level classes they can earn college credits in some cases and they specialize in in one thing so whether it's like finance or IT um, or project management and then their second six months they go out on a professional internship to gain actually the experience and not just the skills um, and over the entire course of the year, they also learn soft skills as well. So not just the like the technical how like know how, but also, you know, how to network, how to like shake somebody's hand and ask for a business card after meeting them, polishing their resume and uh, other professional skills that are not necessarily intuitive when you start your very first corporate job how to write a professional email you know email etiquette um dressing perfect dressing to impress yeah uh, so those sorts of things and then at the end of the one year our students graduate and year up is very very metrics are very important to us so we have outcomes and within four months of our students having graduated we have very specific goals to have a certain percentage of them enrolled in either higher education or making jobs starting at at least $18 an hour. And I can say in Boston, I think most of our young adults start at jobs that are a little closer to $19 an hour. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so incredible. It's such, such important work. And they're really lucky to have you. You do so much for them. I love being there. We will link the organization down below if you guys are interested or know anybody that could benefit from this program. Okay, here comes my favorite question to ask all of my guests, but how do you give yourself self-love? Mm. I love being outside and in nature, and so a walk with my dog around the block for me is just as much for him as it is for me. If I'm really focusing on just myself, I like going into this room in our home that Jeremy and I have been really intentionally designing. We call it the reading nook. It's very cozy. It faces 
the front of our home and it looks directly out into the oldest church that was built in Boston. So it's gorgeous. Um, The steeple was just redone. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight to be looking out on. And we have these two really cozy chairs and a lot of plants. And I will go in there and journal or read. And I I really try to leave technology out of that room as much as I can, unless I'm at the desk working on my laptop. So I try not to bring my phone or my iPad onto those chairs. I I want it to be like a book or a journal or a magazine or like something something that I can step away from technology with. Mm, yes. Getting away from technology is a really great way yeah. to give yourself love. <laughs> I should try that more often. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. This lady's got to catch her, her train home back to Boston. <laughs> so really quick, where can we find you to follow your adventures of all your travels? I know there's so much coming up. So on Instagram, my handle is great to be Kate spelled out completely but Kate is C-A-I-T and I if anyone is interested in volunteering with Europe or curious to take a step into the nonprofit world um, please let me know our organization is absolutely fantastic and we are located in pretty much every major city in the country we're in DC Chicago Miami Dallas LA the Bay Area Seattle really uh, Baltimore New York I'm missing definitely a bunch but if anyone is interested we it's just a great organization Oh, yeah. And if you guys have any friends that are millionaires, you just let them know. <laughs> Europe is here for them. We are a nonprofit. <laughs> they will. <laughs> we do appreciate They can put their name on a fence or something. So you just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye. sis. Bye. So that wraps up my conversation with my sister, Caitlin Doyle. I know she's awesome, isn't she? I know how lucky I am. Thank you, as always, for listening to Beauty Therapy Podcast. And I cannot wait to see you next week for your weekly dose of beauty therapy.